All right, good morning. How are you? Doing good? We have somebody highly caffeinated here. Love that. <laughs> good to see you. It's good to see your smiling faces this morning. Hey, I want to invite you to something. Uh, some of you are brand new to New Life, maybe in the last six months or so. This has become your church home, and we're grateful for that. And we want to say welcome. And this Wednesday night at 6.30 in the World Prayer Center, there will be food, fun, and all kinds of frivolity there on the World Prayer Center at New Life Next, 6.30. All you have to do is show up, and I would love to tell you and your family and friends how you can be more involved at New Life Church, and we're grateful. So this Wednesday night, 6.30, World Prayer Center, come be a part. And if you want to be a part of being a serving our city, Next Saturday, there's sign up. Uh, I think there's a sign up out in the lobby. I would love it if thousands of New Lifers were on the streets serving our city, showing people the goodness of Jesus next Sunday. If you want to be a part of that, I think the weather's supposed to be almost perfect. So instead of going to watch the leaves turn, go turn somebody's life around by serving next Saturday. All right, pretty good deal. And then go, then go see this foliage. All right, all right. <laughs> Galatians chapter five. Let's pray together this morning. I just pray, I just wanna start this time off just praying for the Lord to come. And we've been praying the last several weeks that we would allow the Holy Spirit to hold up a, a mirror in front of our souls. So let's just continue that prayer. Let's ask the Lord to do something, not and to change us, to shape us, to challenge us. So Father, we give you permission today to settle our souls, to awaken our spirit, let us become alive today because of your spirit. Let us, O oh God, let de the dead things come to life. Let that which is dead come to life. Let the spirit of God move over us today and hover over the dark of the deep. Change us in whatever way you need to change us. And we give you permission to do that miraculous work. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Galatians chapter five, we're in a series walking through this beautiful letter that Paul wrote to a church in what is now modern day Turkey. And he was challenging them. He was, it's a strong letter, especially those first three chapters. You can kind of tell that Paul's a little aggravated. I mean, he's ranting, he is pleading, he is standing before his people and calling them back to the gospel that he originally gave them. And so I was reading through Galatians five and I was reminded when I was a very young man, Pam and I had only been married a couple of years. We got married in 1989, and I think this happened in 1991 or 92. I was working as a volunteer youth pastor at a fairly large church. I was a campus pastor at the school that belonged to the church. I was the head boys basketball coach, the head girls basketball coach. I was the high school English teacher. And just to make matters worse, right before the spring track season started, our track coach got fired. So the athletic director came to me because I had nothing else to do and said, Brady, you're always open to taking on new assignments. I want you to be the new head track coach for the boys and the girls track teams. And I just remember going home to Pam and saying, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, and I got no raise for it. They did not add one penny to my salary. This, this added a lot more work. And so the problem is I knew nothing about track and field. I, didn't, I knew track and field were two different things, but I didn't know much about it. I had two things that I knew for sure about track and field. And I wanna share this brilliant insight with you in case you ever get into the same position where you have to coach track and field, okay? Number one, run hard, bear to the left, and get back as soon as you can. 
That was the first thing. I gathered all my track team together and I said, guys, I, I don't know much about track and field, but I want you to run hard, bear to the left, and get back as soon as you can. They thought that was great revelation because apparently the other track coach was not the sharpest tool in the shed, okay? So I, this was brilliant insight to them. And I, then I have a, a second rule that is equally as important. Don't catch the javelin or the shot put or the discus. Anything that's in the air, don't catch it. Just let it land. I said, I, you know, we have terrible insurance. So that was a joke I used there. So I remember the very first track meet now, I, I went to the whole school, stood in front of the whole school and said, hey, I'm the new track coach. If any of you want to run track, come see me. Well, these two little guys, sweet little guys, they had never played organized sports in their life, and I didn't have to ask them to know this. It was obvious they were not athletes. And they wanted to be on the track team. And because I'm a pastor and I was gracious, I said, okay, you come, but the only event I have is the mile race. So I described to them, you have to run around the track four times. That's a mile. And I said, if you want to be on the team, you can run the one mile race. They said, okay, coach, we'll do it. We'll do it. And I, I think Pam, I told, came home and told her the story, but the very first track meet, we're standing, the, the one mile race is about to run the mile. The, the 1600 meter race is about to start. And my two little guys who have never worn a, a uniform of any kind, they've never been in any race of any kind, they're standing there and you could see the look on their face. They had no idea what they were doing. And to make matters worse, their coach had no idea what he was doing. So I said, hey guys, run hard, bear to the left, go around four times, get back as soon as you could. They were so excited. And as soon as the starter fired the starting, bam, they took off on a dead sprint. I mean, they ran way out ahead of everyone else. And all the other track coaches are standing there and said, who put the rabbits in the race? Who put the rabbits in the race? I'll never forget this one guy barking at me as if I was trying to speed up the pace of the race, you know? But these guys took off on a dead sprint like they were running the 100 meters. They were running as hard as they could. They finished last and next to last. Because what we discovered about the one mile race, it's not how you start the race, it's how you <clears throat> finish the race. And so I wanna to talk to you this morning about running and walking. Because what I realized about these two young men is I could train them, I could instruct them, I could encourage them, but once the race started, they are the ones that had to run the race. Now I want, to hear, I want you to catch this this morning. There are no bleachers on earth. There's only a racetrack and all of us are called to run the race. And it's the Jesus has told us about this race. Paul reminds us of this race and the Holy Spirit is here to help you run the race. But at some point, all of us in this room and all of you watching online have to make up our minds that we're getting out of the bleachers and onto the track and run the race. Let's talk about this. Galatians chapter five, verse seven. Paul is reminding me you were running Notice the word here, running. You were running a good race. You were doing what God had called you to do. You were in the thick of it. You were, you were going, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Notice this is bumping and elbowing and, and this is what he's, he's using race language here. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. He said, there's an outside force working against you. There's an enemy at play here, keeping you from running. Paul's saying, listen, we are all called to run a good race. 
But there's two things that happen when we start running this ways. Number one, we can be distracted from our mission. We just talked about this this week with the group of pastors that were in town. I said to them that my primary concern for the church in America today is that we've been distracted from our mission. Because we can also be deceived. Distraction and deception are the two great enemies of the church right now. Let me remind you of the opening story of the Bible. Adam and Eve are in the garden with a race to run. Remember the assignment they were given? Take dominion over this land, oversee the animals, name them. You are the Lord, you, I'm giving you permission to be in charge. And what happened? They got distracted and they got deceived. Here we are in 2021 and the enemy has not had to come up with any new tricks. All he has to do is give us information that seems to be true and immediately we get distracted and deceived from the race that is in front of us. And I, I believe, let me remind you of what our assignment is. This is super simple, okay? And this mission will not change until Christ returns. We have an assignment, the church has an assignment given to us by Jesus, who is the pillar of our church, who is the foundation stone of the church, right? Jesus is the one that gave us the church to be stewards of, and he gave us an assignment. Love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself, go and make disciples. That's it, that's the mission. Take care of your inner being, love God with all your heart, so that you can then turn and give that love away to your neighbors, and in the process of that, make others disciples, followers of Jesus. New Life Church, that's what we're going to do for the rest of our lives. Love God, love our neighbors, like this Saturday is loving our neighbors, going out and serving, loving our neighbors, and helping each other form and shape disciples so we can better follow Jesus. However, there's an enemy that wants to distract us and deceive us. And throughout scripture, we see an enemy is present all throughout the Bible, from the opening story until the last chapter, the book of Revelation is full of stories about an enemy. And all in between scripture there, an enemy is present. Sometimes in scripture, it was like an evil person, someone that, that the enemy was using a person. Uh, in the opening story, it was a serpent. Maybe it was a warring nation. We see the story of Israel. A lot of evil nations were coming and opposing the work of God in Israel. In, in the story of Jesus in Luke chapter five, we saw Satan himself come and try to tempt Jesus. Luke chapter four and five. Or it's one of his demons. But regardless, it's clear that we're going to have opposition. New Life Church, here's how you know if you're doing something remarkable for the Lord. There is opposition coming against you. In fact, if you have not felt opposition in a while, it's probably because you've not been running the race for a while. But Paul's saying, listen, in the middle of the race, in fact, we just saw this in the uh, Olympics, in the 800 meters finals, the women's finals, it, on lap number two, that's a two lap race. I know that from a lot of experience from coaching because I'm a brilliant track coach. On lap two, there was, they were in a tight water. There was like eight or nine women running the 800 meters and they are really close to one another. But there was one lady who wanted to get out and pass somebody and she gave an elbow, she bumped her. And all of a sudden someone fell and they're out of the race because of elbowing and bumping. And it's very physical. And Paul is using that language to say, hey, if you're in the race, if you're doing what God called you to do, expect some elbows. 
expect some pushing and shoving. And if you're not feeling that when you're racing, it's probably because you're not doing what God's called us to do. But when you're in the race, there will be opposition. Now, well, Pastor Ray, that sounds pretty dangerous. That doesn't sound like it's much fun. Is, are there any other options? No, but I have good news for you that in the middle of the race, actually something's been given to us to help us finish the race. You don't have to finish the race on your own. That's the good news of the scriptures, by the way. Let me show this to you in verse 16. Skip down, chapter five, verse 16. So he, remember what he said in the, in the verse I just shared? He said, who cut it on you? Who kept you from running? That's the, the language he used. He says in verse 16, so I say, in order to keep running, walk by the Spirit. Can we say those words out loud? Walk by the Spirit. One more time, that was pretty good. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now hold it, stop there. He, now he's being very personal. You know who the greatest problem in most of our lives are? We are. In fact, the most difficult person that I lead is me. You're not supposed to say amen to that. You're supposed to say, I, I can't see that. That's hard for me to see, Pastor Brady. That's what I was hoping back from some of you. But that was too quick. Some of you amen that really loud. He says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He's talking about things happening inside ourselves. It's for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. Notice the spirit here is capital S. He's talking about the third person of the Trinity. Do you know that you don't want to do what the Holy Spirit's asking you to do? I mean, this is as simply, as simple as I can help you with this passage of scripture. What Paul is saying is you do not want to do naturally what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do supernaturally. Our first response to the Holy Spirit coming to us is, no, I don't want to do that. Why do I want to run? Why do I want to get in a race where there's opposition and enemies and things opposing me? Why would I want to do that? For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Have you ever woke up in the morning? I woke up this morning feeling this way, quite honestly, to be very honest with you, feeling troubled, disturbed, if you grew up in the charismatic Pentecostal tradition, you probably heard this phrase, I feel a check in my spirit. Anybody ever heard that one? A check in my spirit. Now, when I was a kid and heard that, I had no idea what, because you can't find that phrase in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. But I heard it a thousand times growing up. I don't want to do that. I feel a check in my spirit. And I thought, that's just an excuse not to do something, I think. I mean, it's just like a built-in excuse for charismatics to be lazy, is what I thought, a check in my spirit. But this is what Paul is talking about. He says the spirit, there's a conflict in going on in your life so that you're not to do whatever you want. So Paul is saying walk by the spirit. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you something and just right now, I want you to write this down. I want you to think about this. I want you to talk about this this week. This is the main idea of the whole message. Why, Pastor Brady, do I need to walk by the Spirit. And this is the reason, because our feet will take us to places that our heart loves. And let me explain this. Your feet, you're gonna end up in the places that your heart 
has pursued, that your heart loves. Jesus says, told us this, that whatever you store up in treasure, store up your treasures in heaven for whatever you love, that's what you're going to worship. Whatever you love, that's what you're going to pursue. The reason I pursued Pam is because I loved her. And the more I loved her, the more I pursued her, the more I pursued her, the more I loved her. And the more I loved her, the more I realized I ended up at her house a lot. I ended up when she lived with her parents, 1307 Brewster Avenue in Ruston, Louisiana, and my feet ended up there a lot. That's the right address, right? I think it is. is your neighbor, I was at your neighbor's a lot. I don't know. <laughs> the point is, why did I end up at her house? Because my feet took me to the places that my heart loved. And Paul is saying, if you're going to walk by the Spirit, you're going to run the race, which means you're going to end up in the right places that God has for you. You know what I've told my kids? This may shock you, but I've told my kids growing up, turn your heart, fall madly in love with God. Give all of your life, all of your heart, all of your emotions to the Lord and then go do what you want. And, and why, why could I tell them that? Because if they are madly in love with God, if they're worshipers, prayers, if they love the scriptures, guess what their feet, their feet will lead them back into the house of the Lord. Their feet will lead them back into good friendship. Their feet will lead them into good places. This is Psalm one language. Psalm one, blesses the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. This is the same language Paul's referring back to Psalm one. Blessed is the man or the woman who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but they're like trees planted by streams of living water. And when the drought comes, they do not have to panic because they're planted. This is the language, walk by the spirit. What happens in our walk with Jesus is that we all start out at the same speed. All of us start out the same way. We crawl, we walk, and some of you run. We start out crawling, but Paul's saying, listen, crawling is not the, the last thing. I want you to learn how to walk with the spirit so you can run the race. And walking always precedes running. <clears throat> Notice in, in Galatians 5, who cut in on you and kept you from running the race? In order to run the race, walk by the spirit. Every great runner started out as a great Walker, every man and woman of God that you admire, that you respect, you see the fruit of the spirit in their lives. You see something good in their lives. Let me tell you how they started. They started out as people who learned to walk with the spirit and they looked up one day and they were running the good race. And there are seasons that we run and when you're in that season, it will demand every bit of your endurance and strength. And that's why Paul's saying, don't even start trying to run the race. And so you learn to walk by the spirit. Are you catching this today? This is really good, by the way. I don't know if you're, I need this. Whether you receive an ounce of truth, I need to hear this today. I'm in the, I'm in the race right now and I'm not getting out. There are no bleachers. I'm staying, on, I'm staying in the race. Are you gonna stay with me? Let me tell you this story. I've never told you this story. It happened several months ago. My mom, she turned 75 years old this year and she really is a godly woman and she's the toughest person I think I've ever met in my life. She drives a pickup truck. She uses a chainsaw. 
She, uh, she, she actually, uh, I, last time I was there, a big tree had fallen over in her yard. And she said, Brady, go up. Uh, I need you to help me go get the chainsaw. And I grew up using chainsaws, but it's been a while. So I was a little rusty. I got it cranked and I was, I was, you know, I was using the chainsaw. I was cutting up the tree, but I was not doing it the way she knew it needed to be done. So she took the live chainsaw out of my hand and finished the work. And I got ended up with grunt work because my mom was better using the chainsaw than I was. I had to give up my man card for like a six months after that. But this is my mom. Okay. She's tough. So my mom is also someone who for 50 years has walked by the spirit. Now my mom, every other Thursday at 1030 in the morning, she leaves her house and she drives 30 miles to the nearest Walmart. Now my mom lives in a very remote area of East Texas, Shelby County on the banks of the, of the Toledo Bend Reservoir in Shelby County, East Texas. It's 30 miles to the nearest Walmart and it's an hour and a half to the nearest Starbucks and I know that for a reason. <laughs> so she, at 10.30 every other Thursday morning, she gets in her pickup and drives to the Walmart to get stuff for her house and she drives back. She leaves at 10.30 every other Thursday morning. Are you catching this? I can, she's like clockwork. On this one particular Thursday morning, she was picking up her purse about to leave the house and the Holy Spirit says to her, no, you can't leave. So she puts her purse down and waits till about 11 and she picks up her purse again. And the Holy Spirit says to her, not yet. 11.30, 12, 12.30, 1, 1 1.30. Finally at 1.30, she picks up her purse and the Holy Spirit says, go to Walmart. Now you're gonna think I'm making this story up, but I'm not. She gets in her pickup at 1.30 and drives out to the end of her road and it comes to a T. Now you take a right to go to Walmart, you take a left to go to the gas station. I know this because I've been there many times. She gets to the T in the road and she stops, pauses, not knowing why she's just pausing there. Now, it, and she looks over into a ditch. Now this is a deep ditch. This is East Texas ditch, deep, five or six feet deep <clears throat> with trees and uh, shrubs grown over the ditch. And she looks over to her right and, and up pops a young woman's head. She just pops up like a real petite 20, 22 year old girl, young woman pops up out of the ditch. She is cut up, she's scratched, she's full of mud. She's got mud and blood all over her. She, she's a mess. And, and she's been in the ditch, it's in the summer, so she has bug bites. It's not a pretty sight. And my mom rolls down the window and says, cause she's from East Texas, she says, honey, how can I help you? And the girl says, will you please take me to my granddad's house? Now I'm not saying to any of you to put strangers in your vehicle out of the ditch, but my mom is the most weaponized elderly woman in East Texas <laughs> and she was completely safe, I promise you. The last person you wanna bother in East Texas is my mother who lives in Shelby County. So she was really safe, okay? So she got in the pickup with my mom and begin to tell her, my mom said, what are you, what's happening with you? My mom gave her some tissue to clean up and she had some things, you know, helping her get clean. And she, her boyfriend, her, who actually was her husband, was a drug dealer and something had gone horribly wrong and this, this man was looking for her to kill her. Now we just watched a national news story play out in front of us where a young girl who came through Colorado Springs, they just found her body last week and, and she was, 
apparently living with an abusive boyfriend on the road. So that, we know how this story can end up. I'm telling you of another story though, of my mom who was walking by the spirit, picking up a girl, driving, drove her five miles out into the middle of nowhere, five miles out to her grandfather's house. And when they pulled into the driveway, the grandfather is looking out the front door, almost like the prodigal son story, sees this girl, comes running out, they hug, they cry, they kiss. And my grandfather looks inside the truck at my mom and says, where did you find her? My mom said, I found her near my house five miles from here. And my mom didn't know this because she's not on social media or anything. My mom, the entire county, all the sheriff's deputies in Shelby County have been looking for her for three days. And we all thought she was dead. Her husband is a is a violent man, had threatened to kill her, and we all thought we were gonna find her body somewhere. And you found her. Listen, New Life Church, I'm telling you this story to help you understand that walking by the Spirit puts you in the race. She's 75 years old. All, some of you that are sitting in this room are 55, 65, 75, and you're thinking, well, the Lord can't use me. He used a 75-year-old widow in East Texas to save a woman's life. He will use you if you will walk by the Spirit. So what does that mean, Pastor Brady? Let me just give you, and this is only gonna take a couple of minutes. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? I'm gonna give you something very practical that you can start right now. If you'll start doing these three things right now, you'll find yourself being prompted, urged, led, directed to do things that you never thought you would do. So what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Number one, we welcome the Spirit every single day. You know why some of you are not hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit? Because you're ignoring him. When you welcome him, you will start hearing his voice. But you have to acknowledge his presence. Listen, I don't, I'm not friends with people who ignore me. Why then do you think I can be friends with the Holy Spirit if I'm ignoring the Holy Spirit? I'm not ignoring the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm led by the Holy Spirit. Even this morning, early this morning, when I popped up out of bed, the first thing I've said, and I've done this now for almost five years, come Holy Spirit. I said it this morning, come Holy Spirit. I welcomed him. I acknowledge that the Holy Spirit's present with me. The person, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit is right here with us in this room. He's, he's gonna be, when I, when I leave this room, by the way, he doesn't live here, he lives with you. He's gonna, he's gonna leave here with you if you'll take him. So we welcome the Holy Spirit each day. And then the second thing is, not only do I welcome him, I surrender control to him. So let me tell you the difference. My mom at 1030 felt impressed to stay home. Now she could have picked up her purse and gotten the vehicle and gone anyway. That's, that's, that is welcoming the Holy Spirit, but not surrendering to the Holy Spirit. See, my mom's a mature woman and she knows the difference. I welcome the Holy Spirit, but then when the Holy Spirit asked me to change my schedule, to do something that's inconvenient, to do something risky, mysterious, or dangerous, that's when you better know number two. Only surrendered people will do that. People that just welcome him can also disobey him. And my mom decided to surrender to the Holy Spirit, which brings us to the third thing, that you start paying attention to the Holy Spirit every second of the day. It becomes that important. It becomes that paramount to your life. It's that critical to your survival that every single day, every second of the day, you pay attention to the Holy Spirit. So remember these three words, welcome, 
surrender, and pay attention. It's that simple. You want to walk by the Spirit? Then welcome the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the Holy Spirit and pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And you will find yourself walking by the Spirit. You will find yourself coming off the bleachers and getting back into the race that God has marked out for you. And why is this important? Because it's been going on for 2,000 years. We now, the, listen, the baton has been passed to us. To use another race analogy, guess who's holding the baton right now? We are. The baton is mine. It is my turn to run the race. And I want to remind you of Hebrews 12. I love this passage. and I love preaching on this at funerals and memorial services because it's just a comforting reminder that therefore, since we're surrounded by a, such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, when I think about this, I knew my great grandparents. They lived almost 100 years old. Ma and Pa lived right down the street from my grandma and grandpa. Her parents lived right down the street. So as a little kid, I knew my mom and my dad. I knew my grandparents and I knew my great grandparents. Now that, that was a beautiful thing as a little child to see all three generations, all three of which were full of the spirit. My great grandparents were full of the spirit. My grandparents full of the spirit. My mom and my dad full of the spirit. My mom's here, my dad is gone. Of, of those six people, five of them are now in heaven. My mom is the only one left of those six people. And when I read this, I'm reminded I am surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Then if that's true, if they're cheering me on, then let me throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let Brady Boyd in 2021 run the race with perseverance, the race that has been marked out with us. That is our assignment. Run the race that's been marked out for us. God has called us to run a race. Before you run the race though, you must first learn to walk by the Spirit. Would you stand up with me this morning? We're gonna take a minute and pray that. You just turn your hands toward the Lord. And this is what I do when I find myself stalled. When I find myself not running and not, not I'm not in the race. I, I know I'm not in the race. I find myself at, in neutral. When I find myself, I just turn my hands to the Lord and I say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. And I surrender to you. And I want to pay attention to you. So that I can run the race that's in front of me. And I don't have to run by myself. I'm running with you, Lord Jesus. I'm running with you, Holy Spirit. And I'm running toward a Father who's cheering me on. So maybe you've never asked for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Would you just ask right now, Father in heaven, I want to pay attention. I want to, I want to welcome you. I want to surrender to you so that I can pay attention to you. Can you just say that to the Holy Spirit in your own words? Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Holy Spirit, I surrender my life to you. And Holy Spirit, help me to pay attention to you. New Life Church, there's no bleachers. There's only a racetrack. 
And the Lord's calling you now out of the bleachers that you've been sitting in into the race. And a watching world right now needs a church that's running a race. Our nation, our city, our community, our neighborhoods, they need a church that's running the race. And we can only run if we first walk by the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come. We're gonna sing this song and the song is a very invitational. It's a prayerful song. It's a song of invitation. You're opening up your heart to the Holy Spirit when you sing this. So we don't just sing this and just welcome the work of the Spirit in your life. And then in just a few minutes, Pastor Glenn's gonna come and lead us to the table of the Lord. Let's just stay with our hands lifted, our eyes pointed toward him. And let's just sing this song together as a prayer, a prayer for ourselves, a prayer for our church. And then we'll come to the table of the Lord. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living home. Your presence, Lord, I've tasted. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. When my heart becomes free and my shame is
Right here in this atmosphere of the presence of God, we're going to welcome the work of the Holy Spirit as we come to the Lord's table. So if you have that little communion cup when you walked in that you received when you walked in, if you don't, our ushers are going to help you receive some. But if you could open those up and get the wafer, the cracker in one hand and the juice in the other hand. We're going to pause and take a moment right here and continue listening. Pastor Brady's has said to us that when you go home and when you wake up every morning, you can do this. Welcome the work of the Holy Spirit. But when we gather together as a church, there's a special way that these worship services become kind of springboards into the life of the Spirit. They kind of become like a diving board. Maybe you've never been in the pool before, but this, this is the way to kind of propel you into it. And so I want to invite you to do something here that actually Christians have been doing at the Lord's table for a couple thousand years. Early on, the early Christians would come to this moment with the bread and the cup and they would say, come Holy Spirit. The fancy theology word for it is the epiclesis, the moment where we say, come Holy Spirit. And I want you right where you are as you're holding the bread and the cup in your hands to just begin to listen to the Holy Spirit. Maybe for some of you, it's been a long time. You're like, I've never done that, oh, that sounds weird. For some of you, it just is all just new. Listen, we don't have, it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be bizarre. It's just a simple act of saying, speak, Lord, I'm listening. And my sense is for some of you today, you're going to hear a stop, a word of stop, where the Spirit is saying to you, listen, there's a path you're pursuing. There's, a habit, there's some habits you've been falling into. There's a trajectory you're on. And I want you to stop. And for others of you, you're going to hear a step where the Spirit of God is going to say, I want you to take a step. Maybe it's have those neighbors over. Start that conversation with a friend. Step out and serve this Saturday or some other place. A stop and a step. So would you just take 30 seconds with me here? And let's just wait on the Lord. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. the night that our Lord Jesus was handed over to suffering and death, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's receive the bread. And after supper, Jesus took the cup of wine and when he had given thanks to the Father, he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let's receive the cup now. Really, 
Yeah, come on. Jesus, the Son of God, who was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus, who said, not my will, but yours be done. As followers of Jesus, we say the same thing. Come on. Amen, amen, amen. When the Holy Spirit fell on the early church, it was for the sake of the world around them. And so we're going to send you out. This isn't just a dismissal, end of service. This is a commissioning into the world. Amen. I want to invite our prayer and ministry team here. If there's something that you want someone to stand with you, they'd love to minister with you, minister to you this morning. Out in the lobby, we've got Connect Central. There's also ways that you can find out more information about the Serve Day on Saturday with Cuz I Love You. You can look for the folks with the Cuz I Love You t-shirts or ask someone at the desk out there. But New Life, let me pray over you this morning. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you send us out now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Send us back into our apartments and homes, our friends and family, the places that we serve, the places where we're studying, schools, colleges, classes, into our neighborhoods. Send us out in the power of the Spirit. Teach us to walk by the Spirit and not to fulfill the desires of the flesh. Teach us to run with endurance. Lead us. Send us now as carriers of your life, of your joy, of your hope. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you, church. See you next week.